Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In Ireland, we love a good story. And I'm lucky enough to be able to chat to people from all over the world to hear their story and to hear about their life in Dublin. In this podcast, we want to be able to learn from the stories of others so that people who have recently moved to Dublin can get the most out of their time here. Basically, the idea you have for Brazil like the stereotype thing would be like uh, Rio and Sao Paulo. So people, oh, some, and some people even told me, oh, you're from Sao Paulo, I'm from Brasilia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is Brasilia <laughs> shaped like an airplane? Exactly. So, well, hardly ever I find somebody that knows that, but it, it is. Like, it's the city that from this space, the astronauts can see that. If you Google Brasilia from the air, it's going to sh- show exactly the format and light it. That's done on purpose? It was done on purpose because it was uh, planned okay. by an architect. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Um, is it a little bit like um, they couldn't decide which should be the real capital between Rio and Sao Paulo? So no, it not... was strategically uh, moved uh-huh. in order because uh, the capital was, the first one was uh, uh, Salvador, which is a city on in the northeast and it's the city that received more slaves from Africa. Brazil is the country mm. that sla- received more slaves in, yeah. in the whole world. So that mm. changes in a way that we know uh, about the, the the changing. I would say like uh, anybody can be Brazilian, physically speaking. Mm. So you see like uh, there are many people from Africa, from from Europe and this mix of people, this kind of uh, changing in colors that mm-hmm. created a Brazilian the, I, person, I, I'd say. There's such a variety, isn't there? I've yeah. seen red-haired guys, yeah. Brazilians. Exactly. And then he moved to Rio when the Portuguese, I'm just summarizing the whole story, of course. And then he moved to Rio when the uh, Portuguese family uh, 
uh, escaped from Napoleon to live there. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then in the 60s, 1960s, a president, Juscelino uh, Kubitschek, uh, JK, uh, he decided to change to Brasilia. He created the city in order to bring uh, progress to the country of Brazil, not only because all the cities uh, in the shore, they, they were more developed. So they said, okay, let's create something in the middle. So we bring prosperity to the middle as well. And mm. it quite worked. I, I think that's something that needs to happen here too. That idea of decentralization from Dublin. There's too yeah. much happening in Dublin. Exactly. So it's not capable of exactly. accommodating everybody. Yeah. We need we need somewhere else. Yeah, to... exactly. At maybe, loan. Yeah. At loan. Like maybe a seat. But Jeez, then it involves <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. Hey. But then it involves like planning, long long term planning and which Ireland and doesn't public, have <laughs> public police mm -hmm. and something also that they don't have political intentions yeah. so clever um you are our, this is our 18th i think episode mm -hmm. and it's been we we should have had a brazilian within the first five um but for whatever reason it just didn't happen we we haven't been in touch with anyone so <laughs> it's a privilege to have you on uh, you're, you're representing the Brazilian community. In, Thank in, you so in much. Ireland what a responsibility. The world. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll try my best. <laughs> thanks very much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Thank you for the invitation as well. Uh, when did you come here? So I arrived in Ireland in November 2018. So next November, I'll be completing four years here. Mm. Um, so you had at least about a year and a half experience in Ireland before the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Kind of working and studying. And so, yeah, I, I kind of had the opportunity to arrive here and live the life as a, like a normal life. And then, of course, we had the pandemic. Why Ireland? Why did you come here? This is interesting. Um, as an English teacher, I have always dreamed of living abroad, always. Mm. Not only because of of like the language itself, I would really like to live in an English speaking country. And then before in 2018, and I was in July, I was turning 40. And I decided uh, I worked for 19 years in a huge uh, public bank in Brazil, which which was a really stressful life. And I mm -hmm. said, Okay, I decided to change my life for good. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do something that the young Kleber didn't have the courage to do. So I'm going to live abroad. So then I was thinking of an English speaking country. So I consider United, um, United States, Canada, Australia, and Ireland. So these four. Australia, completely expensive to go, impossible yeah. to say no. Um, United States, too bureaucratic to go. Canada, too cold. And then <laughs> Ireland, wait. It rains. Steady 12 degrees. Exactly. <laughs> but then again, you have the opportunity of traveling, which is one of my yeah. passions. So yeah. by living in Ireland, the Ryanair house mm -hmm. country, mm -hmm. I could I could travel. I can travel actually to many places. So that was something that I could consider as well. And also Ireland favors for those who don't have European citizenship, just like me. So I came, although I'm an English teacher, I came as an English uh, student. Mm -hmm. So ironically, I was like literally working uh, uh, in the morning and studying in the afternoon. 
so, for visa reasons. For visa reasons, exactly. And then I studied um, students, Brazilian students are allowed to uh, study here for part-time and work part-time 20 hours. So yeah. everybody, that's why yeah. people, it's easier for students who come here. You, you know, this is something. Get the Exactly, the, mm -hmm. get the GNIB, so you have the opportunity to work here. So that would be easier for me. In my case, I study for two courses, two periods. We are allowed to study for three. Each course, each period for six, eight months, six months of course, and eight months in total for um, holidays, the holidays and everything for the, the whole GNIB, the whole visa for eight. So three periods of eight would be 24 months, two years in here. So I was, I finished my second uh, period. And when the pandemic started, I was in this process of finishing and said, okay, mm. I'm, I would go to the master. So I'm going to do the master's online. So Perfect. then I, uh, yeah, in 2020, October, I started my HR master's here, a master's in Great. HR in NCI, National College of Ireland. Yeah. So, which I really liked. I really liked the college. So mm. though it was online, was such a good experience because I had worked with HR before. So that was kind of okay. So I'm for me to transition into from teaching to HR, I need to have some qualification. Mm. So why not do it now? And then I do I did that. And now I have the visa for two years after the master's, okay. I get another visa, uh, which is for two years. So what does that visa allow you? It's uh, the regular visa as an and as an English student is stamped to this one, when you finish college here, you get uh, one year for 1G, stamp 1G. As I finish a master's, which is level nine, a higher level, I can get two years. Okay. So, so cool. yeah, I got the 1G. So now I can work full time. I don't need to study for two years. And then, of course, I have to find a um, company that sponsors me. Yeah. So then I would change my visa into four, uh, the, the working visa authorization to stay here. Seems crazy that someone who studied a master's here has can only get a two year visa. Anyway, whatever. Um, politics, yeah, and I and, and I study here, of... but but then again, actually, I think it's quite a good idea because they look if actually Ireland is still uh, favoring those who have good qualification because, and also ironically, I also have another master's. I took, but in Brazil, it was full time for two years. So mm. I took, I have a master's in education okay. in Brazil and I wanted to study HR. So why not study a master's and all the whole, it kind of came in handy. Like I say, okay, I'm going to do the master's because I can stay longer. And because Ireland, I think they kind of favor those who have really good qualification because master's are really nice after, after that, just PhD, which is level 10. So they kind of want people who have this qualification to stay longer here, two years. I'm curious because um, you've been here long enough that some people um, might be able to like get an amazing level of language uh, in four years. But you obviously were a teacher before you came oh. to Ireland. So how, how did it work in the sense of did you study abroad in, in when you were in Brazil? How did you get such a good level of English in Brazil? This is uh, this is such a nice question because that proves that to be an English teacher, you have to be, you don't need to be a teacher 
you don't need to be a native to be a teacher. So Agreed. my teachers in Brazil, most of them were Brazilians. But then again, they studied to be English teachers. So they had methodology. And I am a living proof that that worked because mm -hmm. I learned. Good. And actually, I, I have never, only once actually, I lived abroad. So in my life, in 2008, I lived for three months in Chile to learn Spanish. Yeah, cool. But English itself, I have never lived abroad. I had mm. before coming here. I had never lived abroad in mm. an English-speaking country. So when I moved to Ireland, I came already, as you said, with proficiency level, which is after the yeah. the advanced. So I came with proficiency level with CELTA, which is a Cambridge qualification for teachers. And of course, I came older than most of the people that come here, but, mm. but also I came with qualification. Mm -hmm. So I think that is possible. So there are many people, not only me, I have seen here teachers from Croatia, from Italy, from other countries as well, that have such nice um, level of English as well. So of course, it's doable. Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're an exception. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But I, I've seen some, some people there are not necessary English teachers, but they also have good level of English. So some of them study. Of course, m most of the people come to learn in here instead. Mm. So to be honest, I, w I was an English teacher and I would question my level of English. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's different because uh, the perception from a native, from a non-native, both English teachers, the perceptions are different because yeah. you teach a language that is is yours. So it's different. In my case, I pass through the whole process that the students are passing. Yeah. And then I learned how yeah. to teach this yeah. process. So I usually say that um, I think, and this idea is quite good for, for any English teacher in, in general, because uh, as I said, um, when you are an English teacher, you have to be a professional, you have to study for that. So for for those who are not native like me you have to qualify even more you have to qualify a lot for those who are native you also have to qualify in terms from things that you have never studied like phonetics like mm. pronunciation because you learned that yeah I have no idea grammar exactly so but you have to qualify for that so i think there's a whole misconception in the market that believes that native native teachers are the best ones and schools sell this idea there's a as i said there's a whole market in that mm. and the victims are the yeah. students once they believe that no i want to have classes with a native yeah and also the natives because some people on instagram on facebook they sell this idea they say have classes with me because i am a native yeah it's just like i say somebody if somebody says eat my sushi i'm japanese yeah, yeah. Eat my pizza. I'm Italian. Yeah. You don't you don't choose a pizza, the best pizza, because it's just made by an Italian. Mm. You choose because it's made by a professional, yeah. a person that knows how yeah. to it's make. An e it's that. an easy selling technique, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So then you say, oh, but it's the language uh, field. So we are talking about somebody that really dominates the language. But then again, just like I said, sometimes the students ask me, do you know this word? And I can come across with a word like, wait, I have no idea what this word means. Mm. 
but also I can say, well, I'm not a dictionary. I'm a teacher. Yeah. So we are all constantly learning, just like I don't know all the words in Portuguese myself. Yeah. And probably you don't know as well. So the same thing, You maybe you said you don't know grammar, but you can teach other stuff depending on your, your um, professionalization, let's say, depending on your... Uh, if you're special, specialized to be a, a teacher, so you keep studying. So yeah, I, I remember when you like even like take something like the past simple or present perfect or whatever it was, um, and I remember thinking it's like I know the answer, but I don't know the formula of how to get the answer, mm -hmm. and you had to learn the formula, um, and it was that bit like working backwards, uh -huh. you know, because someone would ask, but well, why is it that way? And I was like, well, it just is. And then, well, then you have to learn the structures. Like, well, actually, I had to learn what a subject, you know, I didn't, I'm going to be honest, I didn't even, when I first learned to be an English teacher, I didn't even know what the difference between a verb or a noun or an adjective or any of that was. Uh -huh. I had a clue, because we don't learn English that way. Uh -huh. And um, probably we don't learn languages very well in general in the country. Um, like, I just think that you actually, you, you may learn it correctly, but it's a different approach. Because once is you teach English as L1 and the first language, mother tongue, another one as if you teach it as a second language, which the person, in this case, the person already has like another uh, language uh, format of thinking, linguistically thinking. Mm -hmm. So that, and, and that it's inevitable for the person not to compare. Everybody's going to make some comparison translations. And, and I'm telling this because I not only have Brazilian students, I have students from Mongolia, from Turkey, from China, from where else, uh, from many different countries, uh, countries that I don't speak the language. Yeah. So I'll say, so how do you teach somebody that you don't speak the language? Just like you, when you teach Brazilians mm -hmm. or yeah. you don't speak Portuguese, but the idea is not for you to know the student's language because that's not the target the target yeah. is english so basically you say okay students from different nationalities what you need to know is i actually don't know how your language works but in english this is the way it's structured this yeah. is the way you should organize your thoughts yeah. into this language so we show the way english is not the way it isn't according to their language yeah but you, you can so uh, I've recently finished a master's in applied linguistics and I have quite a, a an interest in language in general, but English in particular. And when I try to get people on board, especially it's easier when they're coming from a Latin language or from a Germanic language that you kind of show the history of English. And that it, it's a it's a mongrel language originated from Germanic and then was influenced by Norse and then by Latin by Latin and then mainly French and uh, Normandy French and then uh, there was a bit of Celtic uh, Irish Scottish mm -hmm. and and then it and then reintroduced at different times and at different points and and they, we still have the same words and they all kind of come up constantly and just kind of showing people that you know. People speak English in different ways, in different places, and that there is no one right way to learn English mm -hmm. as long as it's function. If you, okay, if you want to go do your IELTS, if you want to do it for academic purposes or academic writing, or but if you're just looking for general English so that you can 
uh, improve, make friends, work, and then maybe go back to uh, go back home to whatever country you've decided you've left to prof- uh, to develop professionally within that country. If you're just able to speak it and hear it, then and know what the other person is saying, your life is, is a lot easier. It's uh, it, to me, it's all about function. Don't have to focus. Okay, grammar is good to know why you do things and reasons, but at the end of the day, if you can come in and explain what happened yesterday, people are willing to understand that, and uh, that's what I really like to kind of promote when I'm when I'm teaching. I've learned the grammar. I've done it over the years by repetitively mm-hmm. talking and teaching them in classes. It has to sit in somewhere, but it, as long as you're just promoting them using it it will it will become a habit and it will become a little bit more natural and uh like i don't know for you that when you were you were taking classes and teaching classes did taking those classes help you teach better when you came to ireland to understand actually this is what these students are going through here and when i teach my students i'm going to do it uh, differently to what i see other places are doing it um, actually, it, it didn't help me. The thing is, uh, because um, what actually helped me was the fact that I also studied other languages. I, As I said, I, I lived in Chile for three months to study Spanish. So when you were speaking about the differences of languages, I was exactly thinking of Spanish because it happens the same way. If you go to Chile, they have really difficult, in, in terms of Latin America, uh, Spanish, they speak in a different way. I'd mm. say that Chileans are the Irish in terms of, <laughs> in terms of, so you see, I chose two good countries to live. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and you I'd say it. that, yeah, and, and, but if, when you go to uh, Buenos Aires, uh, Argentina, and, or even uh, Uruguay, they speak, they pronounce different as well. And then you go to Spain, it's a different Spanish. So it's the same. So you have, this idea, but coming back to what you said, like, I think here in Ireland, uh, of course, in my case would be a, a little bit different because there's, there's always room for learning more. That's, that's the idea when I came here to study. Okay. I'm, I'm an English teacher, but I'm, I have to study. Okay. But th- as I said, there's always room for learning more. And I did learn as for my English itself. That's, uh, that's obvious. When I came here, my English improved a lot right? and it's constantly it's, it's still in an ongoing process i'd say i'm constantly learning and and i tell this to my students is a lifelong process learning a language you don't stop yeah uh, even if you compare it if we were to make like a, a metaphor a comparison with working out you go to the gym you work out for like i don't know for three months a lot you work out and you practice and you have good diet but stop for one month. Mm, Probably yeah. your body will it's react. It's the same yeah. for languages. Yeah. For example, now I've studied all the languages. I've studied French, studied Italian. So English is my only Anglo-Saxon language so far. So uh, the other ones I study, Spanish, Italian, and French are Latins. Mm. Kind of a little bit similar, but I can see the differences uh, comparing them to Portuguese. Mm. So, uh, but that helped me a lot as a teacher because... I see the process. I see some stuff that um, 
for example, some things that I do with my students, I say, okay, I'm going to use this same technique for myself as a learner of a language, like Italian, something like this. So um, definitely when you are open to, to learn and you think that, okay, this is a process we are constantly learning. In both ways, as a teacher, you are learning how to teach. Yeah. And as a student, you are learning a- any language. Yeah. And, and also, you are not so demanding on yourself mm-hmm. when you do that. Because it's just like I said, I used to think that, oh, I have to have the perfect English. I have to, I have to, I used to think a long time ago that I should definitely eliminate any accent. Mm-hmm. But then when you study as an English teacher, say, wait a minute, this is my identity. 100%. As long as, and I tell this to my students. Mm. Here in Ireland, it's quite common for me to be in a place and say, as soon as I open my mouth, I say something. Somebody said, are you Brazilian? I said, yeah. Of course. It, whether it's a Brazilian that recognizes me or another person. And I don't feel offended. On, you know, it, I, it's the I, opposite. I, actually say, okay, you could recognize me. Well, what I tell my students in general is as long as you pronounce and you speak correctly that's, that's the idea that's it that's the idea and we th- speak english with an irish accent why shouldn't you speak english with a brazilian accent yeah or mixed because yeah. this week actually coincidentally two of my students one in at school and another one in private student asked me so Kleber, which which accent do you have is it uh British is it American? It's uh, there's a curiosity here because I studied English when I studied in Brazil. I studied. I was a teenager. I was fourteen, and I started studying English, British English. So I was the kind of person that was like speaking like that all the time. <laughs> so I re- yeah I could remember that. And then I went to university. I studied uh, Portuguese and English. And literature, so I studied language to really to be an English teacher. So uh, it's uh, that's a good memory from university uh, mm. that I was uh, in a class. So and everybody was really speaking English. So I arrived at the course already speaking English. So it was kind of something good for me. So when we had classes totally in English, once I said, "Professor, would you mind if I have if what did I say? So would you mind if I?" If I drink some water, and everybody like <laughs> stared at me and was like, "Which monster is that?" Because <laughs> like, one hundred percent of people learned American English. Ah. So I even had like mm. some friends like mocking me. Could you say water, water? Could you water. say letters, letters? Could you say <laughs> daughter, daughter? So mm. all the time like mocking me with that, mm. and also my professors were. Basically, all of them, although they were Brazilians, all of them spoke uh, American English. And then my English throughout these four years of graduation, it changed completely. So I left the course, like basically speaking that when that was long time ago in 2004, I taught English um, in different schools. And throughout my career, I basically we were using British English uh, books but also emphasizing, highlighting the American differences mm-hmm. in pronunciation or vocabulary. When I came to Ireland, that was really, I had something here that if I tell you, you won't believe me. I went to a bar as soon as I arrived here, like my, one of my first experiences. And then um, I asked, oh, 
sorry, can I have some water? So you see, water is a, a thing in my life. So I said, yeah. can I have some water? And the guy, sorry. I said, can I have some water? Sorry again. Water. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> of course, I waited for him to come to give me the, the pint of water after I grabbed this, because just in case. I said, man, I, I know now I got the water. So just let me ask you something. Do you really? Uh, let's be honest. Didn't you understand when I said water? I said, no, because it's in a bar. We, I couldn't get your accent. It's different. I said, okay. So that for me was like the first impression mm, I'd have. Yeah. Oh my God, do I have to change my English here? Oh, yeah. And then once I was in a supermarket and then an elderly lady talked to me and say, oh, how are you? And then it was like really talkative one. And we were talking and she said, but which state in are you from America? I said, uh, I'm not American. She said, yes, you are because your English is totally American. You mm. speak an American accent. I said, actually, I'm Brazilian. <laughs> she said, oh, surprisingly. So she couldn't get the accent yeah. straight away. So I guess a lot, a lot of people, I mean, I could, we're, we're, we've been in the industry and I can spot a Brazilian a mile away. I can, I can smell the accent. Like it is very, very unique. And uh, my sister is married to a Portuguese guy. So when he speaks English, it's very different. There's a kind of a, a same kind of sounds that they might make, where there's very, very distinct uh, uh, ways of speaking yeah. English. So maybe I'm just used to it, but I can, you know, I, I love it. I love the, the idea of global English, that there's a French accent, an Italian yeah. accent, and uh, a German accent, and yeah. Brazilian accent. Yeah. And, and, and they're all very, very unique uh curiosities of language and uh -huh. it's, it's do we have to look at english as an international language more or do we need to just understand that you know you just got to get with that there are thousands of or hundreds of varieties of english yeah exactly you just that's, get used to it. that's such an interesting question because look um imagine if an australian comes and say you're speaking irish english this is not english yeah. or a british person mm -hmm. say Oh, wait, you were saying this. This is not English. Me phone. Um, get me me phone. <laughs> this is not English. <laughs> so it's the same as natives. You cannot say, just like you said, English is an international language. Mm -hmm. So people speak. When you were talking about that, I was exactly picturing here in my mind some differences in language. For example, you see Italian people, when they speak, they say, oh, so I was in the street. Uh, so yeah, they yeah, emphasize yeah. because it's yeah, because yeah. I get the same from, oh, my God, this is the intonation when they speak Italian because I studied mm -hmm. that. So I was in the street uh, when I talk. Uh, I so they use this thing. For example, French people, to pronounce the sound, the TH in the beginning of the word is quite different for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And look, curiously, Americans and even British, they pronounce the th almost like similar. What we say, like the like like think. Yeah. Both say I think. Irish people say I think. I think. So <laughs> you eliminate the h. Thirty-three. Thirty-three, and then we continue with that. I can I can give you a list. My boyfriend is Irish, yeah. <laughs> so um, and then um, it's curious because, for example. Uh, French people, they some of them struggle with this pronunciation. So they say, instead of saying, I think, they pronounce, because they got that, they say, I think, 
So I think so. And so some people say, what you think? Because it's another verb in English, mm -hmm. think, just like the Titanic in the past sank. <laughs> so I say, I, I think instead of I think. So differences like that. So Spanish people, they also have the same. For example, there is a variation, what we call in English, like analomorph. So something that changes from letters. So it's quite common in Spanish, V and B mm. are pronounced likewise, the same mm. way. So it's quite common to listen to people, although they are fluent, they speak, oh, because this is a different environment, but they speak, so that's why environment. Mm. They pronounce the B, the V like B. Yeah. So you can say, my friend, some Spanish people can say, my friend is vegan. Yeah. yeah. So they don't realize that, but yeah. they pronounce differently. Yeah. Of course, we can understand. There's no problem. This is like a trace of the it, language they bring. It, it's the development of the, when, when we're talking in phonetics, it, like the B and the P obviously are plosive. So you close your mouth yeah. and you build up that air and then exactly. it releases it out. The V is the still the same buildup, but you don't, it's like a, it's a, a labial dental so you yeah your, your, it's bilabial it's bilabial yeah. that's why for example in portuguese just a curious when you're saying about b and p both letters are the ones when we form words in portuguese before m in a word mm -hmm. you can only put b and p oh. m before i'm sorry m before p and b because when you when you pronounce the word for example in english you say comfortable with M. Brazilians struggle with that because in Portuguese we have the word confortável, yeah. but it's com with N, N. because N. it's an F. You cannot put M before F. Uh -huh. You can only put M before P and B. Okay. Because these three let these three letters in Portuguese and any other language, they are bilabial. So you pronounce them like in well, with bilabial P and B. P because and B and that's why your teeth, are, your your mouth is shut, and that's why it becomes a plosive. Yeah, you're holding back. It's uh -huh. you're holding back that uh, that that the breath of air. So uh -huh. when you have your V and your F, uh, your V and your F are, are are very similar because one's voiced, one's unvoiced, uh -huh. and but it's it's labial dental. So your teeth land on uh -huh. your on your lower lip. So you go V or F. Yeah, and. Uh, so it's imagining having in an English, English, quick speech, it's it's so easy. But to imagine in an English like, class, you have some me. kind of variety of students and some of them struggle with some sounds, some others don't. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly something that sh as an English teacher, you have to be aware, yeah. like and so practice and practice and, and understand and, and, and mm -hmm. see these differences. Yeah. You you said you worked in a bank for 19 years. Oh, that's something curious. I I started in a bank. I was 23. Mm -hmm. And it was my dream job. Because in Brazil, I worked as a public... Uh, I was like a bank clerk. So it's like a public servant thing. Yeah. You have to pass in a contest, public contest. So full of candidates. And you are selected. And you have like a job for life. Yeah. Basically, it's like this. So yeah. even though Brazil... Brazil's economy is constantly changing throughout the years in terms of ups and downs in economy. So when you have, when you are a public servant in Brazil, that's kind of, you have like a stable job. Mm -hmm. So it was like a dream job, yeah. let's say. But it turned out not to be for me like that. So 
I had really good career. I worked with different people. I developed myself professionally, personally a lot. But I came to a certain time in my life that I said, okay, I'm working. And I was really, banking in general is mm. a stressful environment. It's mm. a stressful industry. People's money, like... Some people go crazy. Yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah. I was one of these. So I went on therapy for one year and a half mm -hmm. because I had really problems struggling with demanding, not to say stubborn, uh, bosses, like different people to deal with people. So basically, like, uh, it was really hard situation for me. Yeah. And after one year and a half, so physically, I wasn't sleeping. I was losing hair. Mm. I developed IBS, just for you to know all this mm -hmm. stuff, all mm. the background story. So I, and then my, so basically my body was giving me all the signs and say, what the hell are you doing here mm. with your life? And I was working part-time and at the same time I worked as part-time as teacher. So basically I have always in my life, professional life, being a teacher and a bank clerk. That's the only thing I worked with only in my life, mm -hmm. both of things. And when I was on therapy, and was a, and a therapist that was specializing on job problems, Occupation. problems in work environment. Occupational therapist. Okay. The, like an occupational one. And I, she asked me something that was quite shocking, like mind-blowing to me. She asked, let's say that you have, you have two jobs. Let's say that the bank is your wife mm. and teaching English in the school you are teaching, the language institute, that is your lover. Mm -hmm. But why don't you get divorced from your, or your wife and just be with your lover? What prevents you from getting married to your lover? Mm. Uh, you reframed it. Kind of. It was a, you know, something that sounds stupid at mm. once. But when I left, I kind of... I sat on that, I'd say. I slept on that, literally. Mm -hmm. I couldn't stop thinking of that. I said, wait a minute. It's a sign of a good therapist. And then I started observing that when I was at the bank, at the bank from 12 to 6, I was such a stress. Why I, I caught myself with hands closed, tight fist, mm. and really pressing tense. a lot, tense, and feeling completely tense. And I was leaving, the, I, when I left the bank, like six, half six, and I was teaching from half seven p.m., half seven to nine, half nine uh, for adults and everything. I left completely refreshed mm. from the school in a different mood, in a different mm. vibe, energy, in a way that I said, oh, my God, I feel so good. And then I started thinking, observing myself in different environments, teaching and in banking. I'm not saying that everybody, anybody could uh, work in banking. I'm not saying that. I would work again, but as long as I would, I would select more. I would see the signs. I would not choose money over my own personal health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the thing. So don't betray yourself. I'd say that. So, mm -hmm. and then, as I said, uh, I was already planning to, come to Ireland and all this stuff. And before turning 40, I decided myself, I'm going to eliminate everything that is negative from my life. Everything, like basically everything. People, job, uh, places, 
uh, attitudes, actions that I used to do, habits, mm. everything that is negative. I kind of cleans things from my life. So yeah. I was like cleaning everything. And the bank was one of them. And then um, uh, I was able to kind of be licensed from the bank without uh, really quitting from it. So when I came to Ireland, I was uh, in this kind of license that I took before, three years when I went to Chile. Um, so I took that before. It's like from, a sabbatical, is it? Like a sabbatical, you are kind of uh, uh, kind of a break, so you can spend at least five years out of the bank, but you, of course, you don't receive a penny. You yeah, don't receive okay. anything. So you, and when you come back, you start from scratch. You have okay. to go all the career thing back again. So yeah, which is quite a, bit of a deterrent. Like it kind of stops you from. Yeah, but it's kind of risky because you have to start all over again. Yeah, and be... anyway, so. You go to the, some people go to the agencies to work in the branches, mm -hmm. bank branches. So you kind of start from really from scratch. So, so yeah, so that was um, a turning point in my life when I decided that. And then when I was here. You had to start from scratch again, like, you know. Again. And this is something for the, your whole podcast, because you are interviewing people from other places. And that adds up a lot in terms of really good talk level because mm. every time you see somebody that is not Irish, that is some some other country, the first thing you need to see is resilience. Big time. Because guys, is not... I can tell by Amazing. myself, I, I'm totally confident. So the language is not, a, is not a struggle for me in this case. Mm -hmm. So I can tell from my students and from everybody and I see myself in my, especially Brazilian students all the time, I said, well, I know what it's like to come here and to do. So for me, language wasn't a barrier in this way. It wasn't an obstacle. But then again, so many people come here and they struggle. They do things that say, oh, my God, how did you do that? So it's a huge challenge. Exactly. And also many of my friends said, what? Are you abandoning your life to yeah. kind of look? I, I had a career in Bank of Brazil. I was I had a fancy car. I was traveling every year from on holidays. And when as soon as I arrived here, I was living in a house with 24 people, sharing a room with three guys. Two of them, they were Brazilians, but the two of them snow all the time. The other one was some from <laughs> Serbia. So Serbia. So he was like accumulating things in a space like this size. <laughs> so I said, Oh my God. Of course, he came to my mind. I said, What the hell am my I shock. doing here? Yeah. What the hell am I doing here? What, I was supposed, but wait, there are some things we pass in life. And of course, when you have an objective, I was, I came here focused. I said, I have, I, this is, I am, in Portuguese, there is something really good. In English, you say the verb to be, the verb to be in Portuguese is divided into two, mm -hmm. sorry, to mm -hmm. two things. One thing is like the state the present moment, the way you are, but the way you are in the present moment. Yeah. is your state, it's just current situation. Mm -hmm. And the other one is your essence, mm -hmm. what you really are. Mm -hmm. We have this distinguished distinction. Similar in Spanish. Distinction yeah. similar in Spanish. Distinction mm -hmm. in two, into two verbs, the verb to be. Yeah. In English is merged. Yeah. And it's... So basically I question myself based on that. Like, wait, I am in this situation currently, 
but that doesn't mean that I'm going. And things change. And of course, I got was I've been living here almost four years. So two for three years and a half, I I changed the whole situation. I live. I have a really good. I live in a really good place. So I live in an apartment with two other Brazilian friends who also lived in the same um, um, house yes, as I did. So we all know what it's like to live and share with other people. And it's really, really in town. So it's a really good location. So mm. you, you see all the thing. Wait, you don't know what I've been through to come here. So I'm talking about living because this is an issue in Ireland. Yeah. But also you have other stuff. So I see my students, uh, they pass through many things. And I'm quite happy to see all the students when they, they are starting succeeding. Although mm. the language barrier, they're all this stuff. And so the it, results kind of rolling in. Yeah. And so when, when you came, how long did it take for you to, how can I say, uh, the best, the, uh, I, I always tell my students, if you want to get better at speaking English, uh, try and find an Irish boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah, this is so funny because I this week I was with my intermediate uh, level and we had a, um, a unit that we were talking about acquiring languages. So some people were giving some tips like a like a as if it was like a social media thing. And people wrote and one girl in the comments that was reading activity was saying exactly this find and, and then i have a couple uh they are married brazilian both mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> so yeah and they started laughing i go what so how can we crack so i get that but there are other ways <laughs> not only that yeah, joke. Sure, yeah that's, i know that's, that's a joke, joke. exactly but, but you... in my case i i as i said i came here older than the majority of people that come but at the same time i came with experience and with qualification so i was really privileged in a way to i arrived here mid-november and in january i started working as a teacher mm -hmm. so i didn't work with, so for me it was i'm so grateful you have no idea because basically in october i was teaching in brazil and in January, I was teaching in Ireland. And since then, I've been teaching. That's good. I've never worked with anything else also in here. Actually, I worked with students, like taking students to tours. But that was in the... I was teaching from Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. And on Saturday and Sunday, I worked for another school, actually, taking international students. And was so curious because this whole thing of learning other languages and, mm -hmm. and everything we see as an opportunity. So most of the... The other people that were taking the students out for tours, they didn't like the Italians. The Italians are so loud. <laughs> and, I, lo yeah. I, love, I love the Italians. Yeah, yeah and, they're very like, fun. And also, one day I even saw a, a friend of mine, an English teacher as well. She showed me a, a, an expression. Is this Spanglish? Is, is poor, uh, so you have like Spain. Portugal and Italy, mm -hmm. and it's even on on Urban Dictionary. Oh. So there is a, a like a uh, an acronym for all of these uh, nationalities to say students from 
Spain, yeah. Portugal, Italy. Like Benelux or something, you know. I've never Benjamin heard that before. Luxembourg. Yeah, ah, so okay. I forgot the name. It's like sport something. One yeah, day, uh, yes, something like this. So, and people said oh, they are so loud. And I took that as an opportunity. I was all the time going out with Italians. I said, wait, I studied Italian. So I was with the teachers, the Italian teachers. I say, can you continue speaking Italian? I studied mm -hmm. Italian. So I can practice. So, and then basically, I spent the whole 2019 getting money, but also Italian, kind of practicing my Italian because I was all the time with them, and I could and it kind of establish some kind of rapport with them because yeah. they could kind somehow identify themselves and in me, like oh, I can see you, and that was really nice opportunity. So that's the only thing I worked. Uh, here you, in Ireland, besides teaching, you seem a per, you seem like a person who is uh, just able to take advantage of these opportunities that that come up, but a lot of other people don't have that ability. You know, you said you you might be a little bit older, so when you came, you're going to make the most of everything that you were going to do, but like people are, aren't as outgoing as you. You know, a lot of people aren't as good as you. It's not easy. Not. <laughs> I'm 44. But what you and say to that these didn't. I I would say, first, um, I think this is as I said, the whole cleansing thing, the whole changing point in my life. I think it still works for everybody. Just do something that you really love. Stop doing things for money. Money is a consequence, and actually. Mm -hmm. The whole idea of I have to be a millionaire is quite delusional. Mm. Like, stop that. You don't need to be a millionaire. It's not saying that you cannot or you don't want. To. Not that. But that shouldn't be your aim, everyday aim. Yeah. Same, like your goal for, oh, I want that. Because you stop seeing all this stuff. So I totally think that I'm, as I said, I use the word resilient. So I'm totally resilient in that case. I am a person that is part of my personality. I want to, I want to socialize. I want to get to know people, and I don't want negative people in my life as well. I continue with the same thing, and I see the opportunities as well. The same thing, and it's this, basically it's the same. I'd say the same eye for that. I when I see something, I say, okay, it's a good opportunity, but not good for me, mm -hmm. or not good for me in this at this moment. Or so I try to see the best things and and of course look for good opportunities and i'm still doing that because now i'm i'm moving i'm planning on moving from teaching to hr and also i'm as i said do something that you love because look i have my master's in education and my master's in in hr so i want to work with learning and development yeah that is totally my thing. It's your area. Exactly, my area. Mm. So I'm not betraying myself to work. And I don't want to do that anymore. Mm. To work with something like, okay, I'm just working with this because they pay me nice. And I'm, no, I don't want to do that. I want to work with things because, trust me, life is short. So it passes really fast without realizing. So It, it really is. Um, and it's an interesting philosophy in life. Um, I don't think that what you speak about there, um, I'm, I'm trying not to get too philosophical. Hmm. <laughs> um, I, I sometimes you can do, go a, a, a little work. bit deep in terms of my philosophy, but um, the what I'm kind of studying or reading about at the moment is this 
this sense of we're always wanting something generally right we want something or aiming we've got some type of objective and i actually do think it's very good to have goals and objectives in life um but the sense of may say you achieve that goal and then you realize then there's the next thing and ultimately you're left with a sense of dissatisfaction and dissatisfaction lead you know you have you unfortunately i can't say that I, from this sense of view for myself but you, uh -huh. you hear that story of the millionaire in the house who's i kind of totally get what you're saying some people are like trapped in a so in a circle like in a cycle i'd say a cycle of okay i'm not happy here i need something else yes. i'm not happy here i saw i saw like a meme which is actually quite philosophical as well which is uh somebody saying i'm gonna be happy when i have this car i'm gonna be happy yeah. when i find this the love of my life i'm gonna be happy when i get the perfect job and then the last two uh drawings were like oops and then you see the grave he passed away yeah he died yeah so it's the same like sometimes you are planning so much stuff i think that we i do that to myself i think i i just say to myself like do you need more one thing is what you need one thing is what you deserve also mm. and also challenges in life they move they are moving they make us strong they make us because the idea of a boat anchored boats were not meant to be anchored yeah. i know you were talking about philosophy but that's i'm sorry it's inevitable not to say mm. philosophical stuff when you're thinking of life because if you don't think of life if you if you just go with the flow the flow can take you to anywhere yeah which not necessarily is a happy and comfort place yeah so we have to plans we have to think of stuff so that's traditional hr question how do you see yourself where or how do you see yourself in five years time so mm. it's exactly the same we have to constantly think of our future see ourselves and think it's it's life i'm sorry but that's life because the idea of of settle down into something and we do that for relationship we do that for <laughs> incomes in terms of island we do that for accommodation mm -hmm. yeah the idea of settling down let me tell you something that's also delusional mm. the the whole i saw something like um i think it was a chinese monk saying that the only constant thing in life is changing because mm. life is constantly changing so we are totally trying to have everything stable and when it comes to culture it's the same um once i heard here just just a, a fun fact so <laughs> once i heard from an irish guy here so no 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 i don't want to be friends i don't want to be your friends like, really why not because i already have my group my set of friends mm. i say how does that work is that <laughs> well some irish or some i said good it's just some uh they already have friends from work from university and they don't want to expand that so yeah this whole conversation we are have it's quite nice for irish people they are listening to that yeah um people from other countries as i said about really uh, told about resilience people of other countries are open to that you're going to to we are going to have you're going to have a meeting for yeah. people to that is a marvelous idea mm. because it opens up 
your perspective from the other how do i see other people how do i see people from other places yes so some and that when now i'm talking about hr the other area that i worked is also related to that some some people they are recruiters hr they don't know about visa they don't know about mm. other cultures they don't know they think oh you worked with that so it's not important so i worked in a huge the biggest bank of latin america and i've sent some cvs and i once i was asked i said uh, is it a good company i said yeah that's the huge you don't know but it's it's a big one mm. of course you don't have like not everybody needs to know everything but at least be open for the different for something that is and in terms of cultural relations is the same mm -hmm. so maybe you don't speak somebody else's language but be open to to talk to be friends to there's uh there's a, my portuguese is very limited but there's one phrase i know and i love using it and do you know what it kind of just gets people on the right side of you you know it's kind of like i have better hearing and i can pick up more things than than and kind of figure them out mm -hmm. Then people don't uh, think I can. Which one? Uh, Sus patatas tas asando. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a, so, your potatoes baking. Your potatoes are baking, yeah. Your so, potatoes, or watch it, you know, exactly, or something yeah. like that. So your time, your time is coming, so something's going to happen yeah, to something's you. something's going to happen. Yeah, so it's like, like almost it like class. a threat. Like, yeah, I like to use it in class when someone's, like, chatting or yeah. We, I teach yeah. a lot of Brazilians, so if some of the Brazilians are chatting, I, I like to kind of throw it out. Yeah. Like, well, well, I'm, I'm just saying all this stuff because if you quite give it a look to at the whole Dublin thing, Dublin is quite small place. We are talking about Dublin, but of course it extend, could be extended into Ireland probably. But Dublin is a small city, but it's quite cosmopolitan you see i love the idea of walking this i live in city center mm -hmm. so i walk uh on the street and i listen to different languages say, oh my god i have no idea which language is that <laughs> that is quite good because it brings diversity to the place brilliant yeah but at the same time you see the cultures the the different peoples isolated so you basically mm -hmm. see indians with indians latins with latins brazilians with brazilians yeah and consequently irish with irish yeah. i studied when i was um when i was going to study the masters here i trust me one of the good things that i consider say oh my god i'm going to college here to university so i'm going to make friends yeah i was the class representative of like i think in my class there were like 45 people probably in the hr and so everybody knew me because i was all the time speaking although it was uh um online yeah but curiously, I have invited so many of my classmates, like guys, now it's opening because we were doing the pandemic, but now it's going to be open. Let's meet. And most of them say, oh, I don't have time now. I don't. So yeah. it was surprisingly, although I studied here, I didn't make like a real friend, which I was trust mm. really like expecting to, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I was really hoping like, oh, I'm going to make friends here. Probably if I work in a different scenario, I'm going to, I'm just saying that although Dublin is a small, and as I said, cosmopolitan place, I have the idea that people are kind of isolated. So many people are complaining or being alone and not have friends or not, but give your first step. Yeah. So, yeah. It's something we've spoken about quite a bit on the podcast and, and that challenge of, of um, making connections 
is first of all it's, it's very difficult i get it uh, i've been there i lived in another country and it's the same thing it's it's not just in ireland i think it's probably globally like that same thing exists where from my experience of like you're never going to be like part of the group like the way that irish group of friends are they mm -hmm. went through school together and it's we've spoken about that before it's about experiences experiences bring people together and mm -hmm. um, but what you need to do is people and i think you're saying this they do need to be open to new experiences as adults i think as adults in general we get to the age of like 18 19 20 21 or whatever mm -hmm. finish education um and people are like right i'm an adult now i know everything this is how i am this is how i'm going to be for the next 60 70 mm -hmm. years of my life but i think we need to be more uh, open to beginning again to forming new friendships to new like this potential for you don't have to leave your country anymore to have an adventure why can't mm -hmm. you have like dublin is so vibrant it's a small city but mm -hmm. it's so vibrant there's plenty of room for new adventures for new experiences for forming new connections here mm -hmm. even if you're a guy or a yeah. girl who's lived in ireland for the whole and surprisingly, life surprisingly uh starting to interrupt you but surprisingly even and also for irish some people even use the excuse of, oh but there is a problem of english some people have like broken english that don't they don't speak let me mm -hmm. tell you that's not the truth yeah. i i don't have like what's considered like a broken english and that kind of didn't prevent me from mm -hmm. Uh, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to break the mold. Like, I mean, you kind of. I have, know. It's you have to feel like it's not like I struggle with this as well. It's it's getting too caught up in your own problems and feeling sorry for yourself. And you know, I, I'm lucky that I'm I am quite talkative and I do like mm -hmm. talking to people from uh, from different places and I have that yeah. in my job. But it's hard to break that mold. I and know. When you yeah. and when you do it you shatter everything that you've ever perceived about yourself and you've shattered everything that other people perceive about yourself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm saying this because for example, I, I love Irish culture and I, and I really think that is, um, something, um, I want to, to help, I'd say with that. So I think people, uh, should, as I said, be open to, to socialize more and, and it's, it's, it's not the, the thing of the language. It's basically mm -hmm. something cultural. So, and all of us, we can change that. We can see that as something that can aggregate something to bring something mm -hmm. to yourself rather than comfort, a confront. So you don't have something that is opposite. Actually, something that helps and brings more value for that. So, mm. yeah. I, go ahead, Russ. Yeah, sorry. Like confronting those demons though like uh and at the end of the day like it's, it's everything is in your head and um and it's it's not that like on irish tv on irish radio there's always if you feel lonely talk to someone if you if you feel like this talk to someone and i don't know why you know people in general are just so afraid to kind of let in you know you, you get people saying oh it's because like maybe people think that they need to be strong to mm -hmm. do it but it's it's terrifying to expose yourself to to people uh who like 
to think that they may accept what you've taught. Mm -hmm. And Irish people are so uh, closed off and maybe are told that they, you know, or, or they think that their problems are a lot worse than they are and they might feel that isolation and it just continues on and they work and they work and it isn't until they're in their early 30s that they're like, Jesus Christ, like, I mean, I, I have, I've lost, my friends are all mm -hmm. either married and have kids and um, I'm thinking about it. Uh, I have a mortgage. Mm -hmm. I have this job that I really don't like anymore. and it kind of they've done it for so long that they're just frozen by inactivity in their own planning of their life it's just been work 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 make money and then wait a minute i i don't like this what, what do i do and they're frozen I by know, the whole scenario I, I think i think the whole thing when it comes to irish you guys in general is something cultural um don't get me don't get me wrong what i'm going to say it should be taken more as food for thought rather than just uh, really critical. I have the idea that most, not all, but most Irish people, they are, I, I usually say, you guys are more friendly than really friend. Mm. You can meet somebody in a club and they are so happy. Everybody's full of like energy, ready for the banter and you're drinking and all this stuff. Okay, so you're such a nice guy, you're such a nice girl. Let's keep in touch and let's meet. And or even when you text the person, say, I'm sorry, I don't remember you. I was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> or or even they say, okay, we can be friends, but not just here, not this, so much. This seems to be the theme that we've been getting out of our these interviews. Uh -huh. You know, and or at uh, least tonight. Well, when we we had we had it last time with David. David yeah. was really strong with it. Um um, like the interaction yeah like among he, people you mean yeah he just he he felt like like exactly the same way they're friendly more than friends and mm -hmm. it's not he like, phrased it in a way of art in 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 france for where he was from he said there's strangers and then there's friends and he said in ireland there's strangers there's community and there's friends and if you're part of a community it doesn't necessarily mean that you're friends with that person mm -hmm. so for example he plays a he plays um, traditional Irish music and he's part of that community, but he doesn't often meet for a drink or dinner in somebody's house with mm -hmm. that community, even though he spends four or five nights of the week with with, with that community. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's, uh, listen, probably it's a sense of laziness a lot of the time mm -hmm. um it's yeah when you when you're energized oh, people when... are not necessarily committed to have like meaningful relationships like they want to but there's kind of a limit until this point until we reach this point mm. so i'm not i don't allow you to 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 cross this line as established like yeah. so we are friends until this point i don't say that that is totally negative we because as I said, we cannot generalize. We cannot say that everybody's like this. Oh, Ireland is a country that we don't even talk to people. It's not that. I really think that in general, Irish people are happy. They are open for that. But for, for somebody that came from another country, I could tell I've been living here for years and my friends are not Irish. The ones that I have, like friendship, really, really friends. I have like, I'd say two Irish friends here. But... um. 
like really really Irish like friends as I have a really good friend he's Italian so all the time we are out and I we sit on the table and we sit at the table with different nationalities all the time we see people from uh, last time we were together I was there was a girl from Poland a guy from Nigeria so so you see people another one from Lithuania so different and I was Brazilian he from Italy so we were like wait this is a global table so we were from different and people diff work in different industries different things but for us as foreigners that on that table it was something like okay we are basically we we have the same opinion on some topics mm -hmm. and when I, when it comes to living in Ireland I mean basically we see from the same perspective oh it's curious yes people don't do this so they do they do so i think in general there is kind of a separation in these terms mm. and that reflects in terms of law in terms of access to all this stuff so and employment how you are selected yeah. for jobs yeah yeah it's all cultural and it Absolutely. comes to this yeah. to this uh, places as well it's deeply embedded um it's hard to explain um, it's hard to to understand. Mm -hmm. um, More than embedded, I'd say it, it's rooted. Really, like <laughs> deep down. It, uh, exactly. Well, rooted, be planted. Then, yeah, exactly. Like... Uh, listen, um, it's a country that's growing, learning, um, and it's still red. It's. I also think Irish people are still trying to figure themselves out. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of an identity crisis Somehow, yeah. as what it means to be Irish. Um, I think I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm speaking. Maybe maybe this is a lot of people would disagree with this, but um, you know, where there's deep, uh, I don't know if we'd call it Celtic or whatever, whatever it was before uh, English colonization, um, that. But then during the period of colonization, which is more or less the last 700 years, so we can't mm -hmm. like it's that's yeah. had such an enormously huge impact on us as a people and yeah. us as a culture. It's it's incredible. Um, and then we became, let's say, independent from that identity. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't you can't take away the, the, the background that that's given us. Yeah, but as a foreigner, I can tell you, I, for myself, from my own perspective, I don't see Irish people as British. Not no, no, at but all. that's not what I'm not saying. Not at all, definitely. No. I really think that there is a cultural separation. I don't know about Northern Irish people, but uh, what I'm saying is like Irish, you guys, you. it's really like there is an identity here that is different from British mm. one, but even like if yeah, of course but since since we gained independence i think that we've kind of looked with one eye towards the uk and one eye towards the states mm -hmm. um, in terms of how we should run things and exactly. how we should govern things and um and but i only think that it's probably only within the last 20 years that we're starting to try and find uh or we're starting to get the confidence to go and be critical and to be like oh, maybe we can do this in our own way or in a better way um but i also think that's within the culture too you know um it's a complicated thing yeah it's a complicated thing yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's good to see all these things because you kind of analyze the way uh, okay where am i living so you know so yeah. it's important to see and and it's good to see also to hear from your perspective because you have 
a different perspective from mine because we come from different backgrounds, let's say. Like, mm. So, yeah, but we've all we've all traveled, so it's kind of when where when I when when I lived abroad, I was I lived in a house with uh, South Africans, Canadians, Australians, New Zealanders. Wow. Uh, Living Indian, with other people, you know, is English as well. The challenge is one of a kind thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's all it's always challenging and. And when it comes to living with different cultures, I think it, I we should be to challenge to struggle. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's something else. Like, so you um, have to learn them too. A lot. You have to learn a little bit of their culture, as well as the culture in the new country that you're living in. You know, and um, I mean, you're saying you like I- Irish culture, but to you, what what is Irish culture? Um. I'd say a mix of tradition, like our own tradition. Okay, let's establish here what it's like to be Irish. Mm-hmm. And and that is, like, language is one of the things. Like, it's quite curious for a nation to still have the language which actually you don't, don't use. Mm. And once once you don't ask me, so what do you think? They, they have Irish... Gaelic here everywhere, but they don't use it's it's kind of useless. I said, guys, but that is when you said about 700 years of history, mm. that is a kind of a preservation. They that you continue uh, like uh resisting any kind of colonization somehow. Mm. So I totally respect the bus, the signs everywhere you go, you see uh Gaelic and students. They have that at school, although they most of you, when you leave school, you stop using that. Yeah. But that somehow there is some kind of identity. I told my students, wait, uh, and coincidentally, I told I told them today in the morning. We were talking about this. Like in Brazil, when the Portuguese arrived in 1500, they simply ab- uh, abolished. They kind of killed let's say any language thing so the the whole indians uh, indigenous people we had there with different languages we don't have that and you guys have so british came here loads of different colonizations the vikings came here but you kept the celtic spirit Mm. on i'd say Mm. so if you see from that perspective something that continues that some somehow some culture there if you if you see from for example um it's different um from for example spain where you go to barcelona and you there are some people that really use catalan so they use another language in there so in this case here it's kind of it's not a dead language but there are some places here that i think that speak irish it's not dead yeah, but it's dying. It's dying, exactly. Yeah. But then you have to see how all of these things uh, bring w- your question back, bringing your question back. It's what it's like to be Irish. Mm-hmm. So it's involved on that. So, And I think Irish, as I as, continue answering your question, I think Irish in general, you are looking for the past in this way, but then you are looking for the future, just like you say, United States and Britain, like, okay, who are we this mm. way so i think ireland with the whole modernization the the thing that brought different um uh, companies like 
the, the silicon valley i'd say from europe here is here so this silicon whole dock i think they call it yeah, how, the, you know that? the docks where, where yeah, exactly. they call it oh, silicon dock. Oh, yeah. that's quite interesting, actually. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which which is true, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So basically, um, I think this whole thing is kind of constructing your new identity in, in a way. Like, uh, but there are so many things to to change already. I think in terms of you know, in terms of uh, basis things from your education seems from your education from the Montessori perspective mm. from other stuff that uh in terms of cultural in terms of accepting the other from other country because mm. it's something that is a reality mm. people I don't will always be like that full of people because mm. for example Americans struggle but they somehow dwelt with that they yeah. kind of did something to do that yeah so how about Ireland? So what you're gonna do? Because you cannot expel people from you from no. here. You have to deal with them. So yeah, for me, as I said in the last few podcasts, it's it's all about decategorization. Um we have to just we have to learn to be um like not so radical in a way, like not not to be black or white. And I don't mean mm -hmm. that in terms of race, I mean that in terms of like um you can be proud to be brazilian mm -hmm. but also you can be clever who's just clever you know mm -hmm. and i can be a proud irish guy who's you know i'm an i'm an irish dude but that doesn't make me any different to you an irish mate you know do you know what i mean uh -huh. it doesn't make me different to you i know and so like yes i can be within a category but at the same time I, that doesn't categorize me yeah and that's a really maybe that's a very difficult thing to do and it comes from experience and maybe education all the rest of these things but yeah that's i think I'd there's like somehow sometimes people do that in a way of like a basic basic instinct of rivalry like and it, and when it comes to jobs that is also are you coming here to take my job yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. wait are you qualified as well or not yeah so, because I, I, to be really honest, I've seen some people here just getting really good jobs just because they have European citizenship. They are Europeans, not necessarily Irish, but they are Europeans. So they have like totally, uh, they are totally allowed to work here. And I say, oh my God, I have more experience and more qualification, more than that. And just because of a, a thing of like issue, like a visa issue, I cannot get that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's. But a, it's and then weird. it comes with the resilience. I say, okay, mm -hmm. somebody told me no, I cannot accept that. I have to find my, of course, legally find my way to to find find my way to I'd say to see my light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I'd say so. Mm -hmm. How for myself I can find the solution for that? Mm -hmm. Not maybe not for my community, but if I if I trespass this barrier. I might be one, just like the first person in this podcast, <laughs> to open up to others. Yeah, absolutely. Open up in like a pathway. For yeah, us. you will be. So when when you were in Dublin, what would be, uh, you had a stressful day or maybe you just need a little bit of time on your own. Like, where's your favorite place to actually go and relax? Oh, out? sometimes I go with my boyfriend. We go to Stevens Green. To the park, mm -hmm. so we have like a really good uh, when the weather is good, of course. But um, I, it's ironically, as soon as I arrived in Ireland, I kind of 
I cut down on drinking. Mm -hmm. I kind of like expensive. Yeah, not only because it's expensive. So yeah, but I think like okay, I don't want. I think you drink in a different way from we Brazilians. The way we drink. If we were to to sit to drink something, probably Brazilians. We drink, we sit, we talk, and consequently we get drunk. Mm-hmm. I think you Irish, you sit to say, let's get drunk first, and then uh, 100%. I'm going to be totally different in my mood because I'm going to be drunk, and then we talk about the yeah. things. So this makes the whole difference in stuff. So yeah. and also in terms of relaxing. So probably my relaxation thing wouldn't be like going to a bar because of that mm-hmm. because otherwise i would definitely mm. and when i arrived here of course i um before the pandemic i like i was single i was yeah, going yeah. everywhere i was seeing exploring the city that was really nice um i still like going to different restaurants to different stuff to uh, see different spots in the city i i like the touristic thing as i said i have a travel page so What's i the travel page it's travel with clever Okay. at travel on instagram and amazing and, yeah and so i'm still learning the whole thing of like posting i still have hmm. a lot to learn about We're that the exact same like yeah. oh my god to figure it out yeah it's, it's a minefield yeah like, you know it's it, you don't want to be look at us look at us you want to try and promote yourself as yeah. organically and as naturally as yeah. possible and most of all when it comes to uh social media is also in a way to create create your own identity because at first when you start you think okay i'm gonna copy this and this mm-hmm. and this which is quite natural actually mm-hmm. because you you have no direction to take yeah. so you think oh, i'm gonna do this 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 as others are doing because it's working Mimicking. but then you say okay but not necessarily what others are doing i should do because that doesn't suit myself the way i am yeah so the whole uh travel thing is something that i love doing uh, so i still have i've visited 20 two countries so i still mm-hmm. need to, I, for me it's okay i still have loads another of hundred at least yeah, exactly yeah. there are 195 so 195. yeah that's the total so anyway so i i've seen some people that traveled a lot that and other also the opposite somebody that probably didn't travel as much hasn't traveled as much as i have but they know the social media thing how to post how to create a video how to and in daily basis life sometimes you don't have time to stop all the time and focus on that so this is something that i still working Mm. on i'd say so and i'm a person that i can't stop thinking as i said (laughs) i'm constantly having ideas i wish that they had more hours for me to do more stuff and and but i have at the same time i have to try i have to work to leave to pay my expenses to do all this stuff i have a family in brazil i'm still connected of course mm-hmm. to my country to my whole thing so um yeah basically it's like balancing life in a way for what you like and for what you have to do as i said before at least i try to come up with terms with what i love and what i need to do mm-hmm. yeah so basically when i do something I can tell for myself. I work as an English teacher here, full-time morning and afternoon, and still teach private lessons. I teach Portuguese lessons as well. And trust me, it's another thing when you do something that you like. Yeah. It's totally different. It's just because I don't have like the bad mood Monday thing. Like, oh my mm-hmm. God, Monday I have to work. I say, okay, let's go. Yeah, as long that's as, great. That's yeah. Super important. Because you spend so much of your time in life working. 
if you can enjoy it then even, exactly. even better we we normally um finish the podcast with a question um that i think is important for anybody who's listening and i think your answer will be really interesting um i think we know his answer what do we I, I i think he this whole conversation i'm quite curious about the i think this whole conversation the question now about this yeah should it point so, so should it <laughs> if you were talking to someone who is um who has just moved or is going to move very soon to dublin what piece of advice would you give them that's quite an interesting question first thing just like everything in life but look it depends on the visa situation as well. Let's say I, I would re yeah. answer to a student, an, an English student. Why? Because as I said before, they have two years to stay here. Yeah. Planning. Okay. What are you doing here? For example, for students, I always tell my students, because teaching English is not only about only the grammar thing. I also have to give some psychological support because... We are dealing with humans. That's why I study education in human resources. Mm -hmm. We, most of all, they are humans. I cannot be demanding, oh, you don't understand this, you don't do this, but I don't know what the student is struggling with, is yeah. doing. So basically, it's planning in life. What are your objectives? What are you doing here? And even if you come here not as a student, let's say you have any European citizenship, just like you interviewed many people here, and they come to Ireland. So, okay, so what are you doing here? Why are you here? So what do you want with this experience? How this whole experience will bring something that you can develop yourself as a person? Most basically, the first step would be as a person and consequently as a professional or something like that. So I think uh, it and also... This would be also the same thing if you guys were to live somewhere else. Yeah. So why yeah, are yeah. you moving? Why? I usually say that... Strategy. If you are unhappy with your life, you could have a great job, live in front of the Eiffel Tower, but your life sucks. So mm. that wouldn't make a difference. Yeah. So it's, it's all about how you feel with yourself. Yeah. And one thing that I do for myself that it has been working is choose something. Be honest to yourself. If you like to be here, stay here. If you're in a buy and you don't like, don't go. If you're not in, a, mm. in a job that you don't like, why staying longer there? Oh, but the salary is good. Okay, so then you have to balance your... your what do you want? What are your preferences? What mm. do you want? What, do you, what are your priorities, I'd say? Yeah. So basically it's this, so like plan your stuff. Once you plan and you are going to plan based on what you really love. I think loving what you do is the key for the thing. I, I don't know if that was I the it was answer. Resilience. <laughs> the, <laughs> but, uh, basically all of these are connected to yeah. all of this is connected to you need resilience, resilience to get to resilience. The because if you, you don't love what you do. You don't have the energy. Resilience or Brazilians? Uh, <laughs> I'd say re resilient Brazilians. <laughs> so I've met plenty of them, anyways. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So good to know that. So basically, you can only be resilient if you have like the struggle, the energy to do that, mm. and that comes first with ob your objectives. And when you establish an objective, it's because you want that so much because you love that. 
And when I mean that could be a relationship, you're fighting for someone, it could be uh, a changing of life. So say I'm in a new country, I left my country, a job, a new job, I want this job so much, I want to do this, or I want to, or it could be something even temporary, I'm here for certain period, and then I'm going, coming back to my country or to another country. So it's all about planning on based on what you love. And consequently, resilience is connected. Mm-hmm. Clever, it's been um, an absolute privilege to to listen to to your story, to your advice, um, and it's been really, really great having you on the podcast. I have to say, uh, I think a lot of people are going to take something really nice away from this one, um, and you've given a lot of guidance, and you're providing guidance for your students here, um, and that's great. Please continue to do that. It's, oh, thank you um, so much it'll make a difference to to the people who who have moved here you know to have someone like you who who's been through it who who knows it who can guide them in the correct way and maybe can tell them if they're going down the wrong route or if they're giving up too early or etc you know what i'm talking about sure um so thank you so much yeah i'd like to say thank you for the invitation and Mm -hmm. it's it was amazing really good Uh, talk you guys made me so comfortable here to be here and talk and I truly uh, hope that my experience can be useful for many people that are listening whether they are Irish or any foreigners Mm -hmm. that come to Ireland I think as as we talked here it's all about like changing experiences and mutual help in certain ways because we never know what people are really deep down struggling with so yeah in, in different ways, in different uh, uh, things, I'd say. So, yeah, basically, as you said, we are different, but in a certain way, we are a whole community. That's together. what I hope. So, yeah. I thank you so much for the whole I'll see you on October the 19th. Yeah, definitely. We're going to yeah. be there. I'm going to be Have there. and We're going yeah. to party. Yeah, we're gonna party party and meet people and maybe practice other languages and and have ideas for other things. Mm Yeah. Um, uh, Clara, thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Ross. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.